with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McPherson, and welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. And I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by Bo Wolf. Hello. And Fran Duffy. Hey, guys. Happy St. Patrick's Day and uh, very, very disappointing. You're wearing green. Yeah, I'm wearing green. green. Yeah. Look at you. Nice. I mean, I mean McPherson. I, I no, can't have true, to. Yeah. Irish heritage. You Something know. I'm to you. <laughs> but I mean, at least at least the Eagles green, if anything else. Well, midnight green. Man. Well, that's not Eagles green, but I guess. No, yeah. but for you guys. Midnight so. green, baby. So uh, needless to say, what a wild week that we just encountered. Needless to say. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, we can quickly, I guess I'll just quickly summarize the transactions and then we can delve into the big picture of what all these moves mean. The Eagles re-signed two of their own, bringing back linebacker Brandon Graham and quarterback Mark Sanchez. They added two players in trades, Kiko Alonso from the Bills and Sam Bradford, quarterback from the Rams. They signed two cornerbacks in Byron Maxwell and Walter Thurman. And, you know, just to finish things off, two running backs were signed in Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray. The Eagles lost two of their own in Jeremy Macklin and Nate Allen, who signed with the Raiders. So no more Nate Allen. Correct. Jokes for Bo. And of course, Nick Foles goes to St. Louis. And we in saw the, in the Sam Bradford trade. And Trent Cole and Todd Harriman's both signed elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. The Colts. So, Chip Kelly wins 20 games in his first two seasons and, you know, doesn't settle for the status quo. Pretty much says, I'm going to just remake the roster. It's the first year that he has full control of the personnel decisions, everything from free agency to the draft, soup to nuts. And, he said, I'm going to remake this team in my image, in my vision, and try to turn this thing over as quickly as possible because he doesn't just want to get to the playoffs. He wants to win and hopefully bring a parade down Broad Street. And Sam Bradford, we could start there because that's going to be the move that, in my estimation, will really impact whether all these moves together work. And, Fran, you did a phenomenal job in the All-22 Eagle Eye in the Sky piece Breaking down the five things, you know, the five aspects of quarterback play that you look at when evaluating a signal caller, and Sam Bradford checks the box on each of those items. Yeah, no question. I mean, look, I, I, I had to kind of combine a few different traits, and, uh, you know, I tried to, to sum it up as, as best as I could. But really, I mean, from a physical standpoint, I mean, there's a reason why he was the number one pick in the draft in 2010. I mean, the guy checks all the boxes, like you said. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He's really accurate. Uh, everything from the mental aspect of the game, you know, whether it's uh, processing information, going through his reads in the pocket, uh, you know, throwing with anticipation, he's got all that down. I mean, he, he's able to read route concepts really, really well, attack defenses. Uh, he handles all the no huddle aspects of the offense really well. So he's going to be a great fit, you know, from that standpoint. Um, and then physically, everything's there as well. So obviously, the big question that you know that comes with Bradford is just the durability with the two ACLs, and that's what you know Bradford re- referred to it as the leap of faith. That's what it's going to come down to: is can he stay healthy? If he does, I think he's going to be a great fit here in Philadelphia. And it, you know, it didn't take very long for me to to be fully on board with with Sam Bradford. First of all, uh, great press conference, very handsome man, very striking, uh, <laughs> big fan. But uh, you know, in, in it the, takes beauty to recognize beauty. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, I will say the the two people I've ever been told that I look like 
are a young Chevy Chase and Sam Bradford. I've never heard anyone comparing to Sam Bradford. It was, it's when he was uh, when he it's was now. like the Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> You're hearing um, it now. But you know, in the in the Mariota talk, the the theory behind the whole thing is let Chip Kelly get his quarterback. Well, I think that Chip Kelly has decided that that Sam Bradford is his quarterback, and he went out and got him. And I think we were surprised. Uh, at the value that they had to give up a, a future second round pick, but there were other teams competing, so that's that's what the value was. That's that's what that's, that's the, the price I had to pay. That was the market price. Um, and you know, Nick Foles, credit to him, but you know, led the league in turnovers last year. I think the Eagles needed better play at the quarterback position. And if if Chip Kelly thinks that Sam Bradford is the guy that can give it to him, let's 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 go forward. And I, I, you bring up a great and point. Obviously, yes, to stay healthy. That's, yeah, you know, but. and you you bring up a great point though. If, you, if fans, the because obviously the immediate reaction from the fan base was, it was obviously more negative than positive. But it was a roller coaster week for fans. Sure, thing, absolutely. Well. But well, yeah, because the first reports this. were that we were were getting Bradford and moving up to ten. Exactly. Yeah. So there was you know so there was the the highs and then the lows. But I mean, if you had the trust in Chip Kelly to go up and and get the quarterback that he wants, and that everyone thought that that was Mariota, this is the guy he wanted. This is the guy he wanted. So you have to have that trust. That that just because you don't agree with it now, right. you know that doesn't. If you have the trust in Chip Kelly, which all of us do, and I think a lot of the fans do, uh, you know, you you have to believe in this move and. It, Bradford brings everything to the table. So I'm, I'm excited to see him suit up this fall. The Eagles have to be fortunate that the Rams didn't jump when they were offered the first-round pick because a day after the trade was made, Chip Kelly addressed the media for the first time since the season ended and said that that morning, that was Wednesday, that Wednesday morning, they were offered a first-round pick. So the Rams had offers of a first-round pick as well. So at the end of the day, if this trade works out, and essentially you do give up Nick Foles, but if you basically are parting with a second-round pick for a franchise quarterback – that's that's lucky. Right. You're fortunate. Yep. And I think Chip made the great point that it's very rare that top players become available in free agency. It's either for injury reason, a la Drew Brees, or they couldn't come to uh, a contract, couldn't agree on the contract. Yeah, terms. I mean, it's a risky move. There's no question because of the injury history. But uh, you know, when you're looking for a quarterback, you have to you have to sort of take those risks because the reward is is so worth it if you can if you can find that guy. And it's also why it was important that they re-sign Mark Sanchez yes. so that they have a guy in place who can handle the duties if, if Bradford does get hurt. No question. So to look at the team's updated draft picks, because I know there's some discussion about there, what do the Eagles have? The Eagles have eight total draft picks. They have their own in the first three rounds. In the fourth round, they have the 49ers pick through the Bryce Brown trade right. from 2014, which came from to Buffalo. Buffalo. Yes. In the fifth round, they have the St. Louis Rams pick as well as their own pick. And then they have their own picks in the 6th and 7th round. So eight picks total. The compensatory selections will be awarded at the league meetings early next week. Folks, Eagles aren't getting any. No. So the Eagles will have eight picks. Not for a couple of years. Yeah. Here's a question looking at all the moves that the Eagles have made. And this is something that we debated, Bo, myself, and Dave Spadaro, in the big question on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Which position has been improved the most? And Bo made... A great case, and I'll let him make his. I went with running back because you took LaShawn McCoy, who question could be when is he going to hit the wall, when is he going to start to decline, probably sooner than later, but he probably still has a couple of good years left in him. But the fact is the Eagles rely on him to be the bell cow, the guy for the last two years, and fortunately he's held up and you know been able to answer the bell each and every week. Chip Kelly, I think, realized he needed some insurance, so he got not just one but two starting quality running backs 
and you still have Darren Sproles in the stable. So Iowa running back, even though you had LaShawn McCoy, who was so productive the last couple of years, Bo, you went a different way, a unique perspective. On well, it. well, my my position is just that the Eagles got good play at running back last year. Maybe maybe you couldn't have relied on LaShawn McCoy to to carry that load again this season. But in terms of just improving from 2014 to 2015, I don't think I, I think Demarco Murray and Ryan Matthews are going to be great. But it's not going to be that much better than what LaShawn McCoy gave you. Whereas I think at quarterback, the, the whole point of making the trade is so that you get better play at quarterback and you don't have all those turnovers. You pick up the, the plays that are there for you. You make the right reads. That's what Bradford's here to do. That's why I, I think the plan, at least, is for there to be a big jump at quarterback. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Bo. I, I, I unfortunately haven't been able to read the piece yet, but uh, I think I would agree in that it would be quarterback taking the biggest jump because – Obviously, you got the great production at running back for the past two years. He ran for Shady ran for thirteen hundred yards a year ago, um, but we did dodge a couple bullets. We remember a couple of those times where uh, he did leave the game with injury, and there was a lot of worry about would he be able to play, and he was able to come back, and we was fine. But uh, you have to worry about whether or not he's going to be able to handle that kind of load a year from now. But uh, you know, when you look at Sam Bradford, we talked about it already. Physically, he brings everything to the table. He's more athletic than Nick Foles was. Uh, he's definitely, in terms of all the different traits, you're going to look up, look, there's a reason why. Again, he was the number one pick in the draft. I mean, he was Marcus Mariota. He was Jameis Winston. He was Andrew Luck. For that draft, he was the guy. And he was, wasn't just the, the Rams that felt that way. I mean, that was the consensus. So, uh, look, I think it's a great pickup. And as long as, look, as long as he stays healthy, and that's the risk that you know, you're taking – uh, it's a, it's a huge huge jump. And then of course you've also got Spuds carried the water for cornerback. Obviously the whole point of in spending all that money on Byron Maxwell is that he's going to come in and, and be your shutdown guy. And then the other one is is inside linebacker because in addition to Michael Kendricks and Demico Ryan's now you have Kiko Alonso. My only thing with running back would be you have short yardage red zone yeah. situations where I think you could run the ball better. And I think you have better scheme fits. Chip Kelly's guy. And I think that's fit. true. That's and, a valid and, point. And that obviously that's why, that's why Chip brought these guys in. It's one of the first things he said. And as far as those signings go, um, you know, heading into free agency, I would have said part of the reason for making the LaShawn McCoy trade is that so you don't have to spend that much money on the running back position because it's a more fungible position. You can find those guys in the draft. We talked all draft season about being able to maybe bring in a guy in the third round who could come in and start last week's show we delved into yeah, yeah sure um and so i was surprised that the eagles made these moves and, and you can debate whether or not that was the best use of resources but in terms of these guys they're great fits and i like you know i i would have been nervous about demarco murray because of all those touches last year and obviously that's not something that chip kelly hasn't considered before he knows he knows the history of those guys but i'm i'm more excited about it because they brought in ryan matthews because that means I think there's a plan to at least keep the reins off of DeMarco Murray a little bit. Uh, and certainly, if he's healthy and if he's 100%, he's a, he's a great fit for the system. A better fit for the system than Shady was, as good as Shady was. Yeah, I mean, you got two guys that are physical, one-cut, you know, decisive runners downhill that would, should fit this scheme. And if both guys are healthy, you've got two great bell cow-type backs. And if one's not healthy, you've got a guy that can carry the load. So, uh, And obviously, you still have the Swiss Army knife in, in, uh, in Darren Sproles. So... Uh, this backfield is it's the best in the league I mean I don't think there's a debate right it's it's uh it, it's something to see all right so we got a great show for you this week Joe Dolan from fantasyguru.com he contributes to us here on philadelphiaeagles.com during the season he's going to provide the fantasy implications of the Eagles moves <clears throat> excuse me there in the first week of free agency and also dis discuss some potential players who could fill the holes that the Eagles have in the upcoming draft our unofficial visits We'll be with Oklahoma tight end Blake Bell and potential first-round pick T.J. Clemmings out of Pittsburgh. 
And our pick six will be in honor of March Madness, players who have played basketball in the past. And last but not least, our draft mailbag, actually a very good one this week. We asked fans to propose their Eagles mock draft. And we got some very, yeah, very Yeah, I'm looking forward good, to going through these. Very, yeah. very good responses. Because I do one there. every day. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to delve into our first segment here on the show, the latest news in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, to kick things off here on Draft Buzz, the reported official visits are starting to trickle in. So enough of these unofficial visits. Sure. We're getting the real deal here. And uh, we'll go through a couple here. Tony Pauline, our good friend from DraftInsider.net, reported that the Eagles have hosted or are in the process of hosting Bernardrick McKinney of Mississippi State, projected to be a first-round inside linebacker. Now, friend, there's a possibility, because he played outside uh, a little bit before. Do you think it's a possibility that, that in the Eagles' offense he could be moved to the outside? In the Eagles' defense. In the Eagles' defense. Potentially. Well, that's the, <laughs> that that's would the be question. Crazy. Oh, that, Chip that Kelly's going, going, <laughs> going yeah. He was a, high, bucking, was a high school bu- quarterback. Bucking conventional wisdom, <laughs> as always. I mean, McKinney at 6'4", 246 pounds, I mean, he's got rare size for an inside backer. So, uh, you know, some teams might see him as like a Dante Hightower type player. Um, but I think watching him, and I've only watched a little bit of him. I haven't watched a ton. i got to still go back through that position. But um, he, he, I think he's got the flexibility to be able to play a number of different positions. And potentially he could play, you know, as a strong side backer. So could he be, you know, a Connor Barwin type player? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think McKinney's got the athleticism to be able to do it. I mean, he ran uh, a four six six at the forty. Not that that's a, a you know the benchmark for right. athleticism, but that would have been the top five amongst all linebackers a year ago. Um, you know, he's got a high motor. He plays sideline to sideline. He's instinctive. Uh, they did line him up all over the place in that defense. So, um, you know, I think he's got a lot of different uh, you know s- skill sets that can allow him to transition to a number of different positions to the next level. Very interesting. Our second reported visit comes from Rand Getlin of Yahoo, who reported that the Eagles hosted wide receiver Nelson Aguilar out of USC, a player who I've compared to Jerry Macklin on the, uh, I think it was on last week's show when we talked about the players who if the Eagles re-signed or signed that would take them out of draft consideration. Nelson Aguilar, uh, also a player who's going to come up later on in the draft mailbag. A lot of fans, I think, want to see him. So we, did, we didn't we didn't sign Macklin, so that means Aguilar's back on the he's table. Back on the table, exactly. Right, so. He's he's intriguing because skill set wise, he he brings a lot to the table, especially after the catch. I mean, every time this kid touches the ball, it's like a punt return, and he's got some punt return ability. Uh, he's got four four speed. He was a high school running back. They lined him up all over the place, and that offense there at USC this this past season under Steve Sarkeesian, very similar to what. Uh, you know, you see from a lot of these college offenses from Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon, uh, you know, what you see at UCLA. I mean, it's a very similar type offense. They run a lot of the same plays. So uh, he's got, you know, it's less of a projection when you look at a guy like Nelson Aguilar. There's some question with his hands and, you know, obviously some things that he can improve on as a route runner. But uh, Aguilar is a very intriguing prospect. All right. Dane Brugler from CBS Sports reported that the Eagles hosted Arizona State safety Demarius Randall for a pre-draft visit. Yeah, Randall is intriguing. I mean, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he was—I thought he was one of the best best safeties there. Yeah, he seems like he's gaining a little steam as as everybody is sort of trying to find a yep. safety that they can believe in. Uh, I think Randall is, is sort of getting a lot of play, and, and you know, could be as high as the second safety drafted. It's possible. Yeah, I think so. And the the big strength with him is his ability to cover receivers out of the slot, uh, you know, and be able to play in space. That's something that a lot not a lot of these safeties have, uh, and he brings that to the table. So safety, obviously one of the big needs for this football team, or the biggest positions that you would figure the Eagles are going to have to address in the draft after losing Nate Allen in free agency. All right, and our last uh, reported visit, actually 
It comes from the source himself. Jalen Strong, sticking with Arizona State, the wide receiver, posted a picture on Instagram of him outside the NovaCare complex yesterday. He was also the subject of our Meet the Prospects series. That's right. On Philadelphia.com. He'll, he'll come up a little bit later as well. But I wonder, does, I, does he count as a local visit because he's a Philadelphia kid? I, that's a good question. I, the, those rules always kind of, I'm, I'm not exactly sure because it's like, okay, well, if he's a local, he grew up here. You right. know, but he, obviously, the, the school's not anywhere near local. Um, I, I have to look at that. I'm not sure what the rule is. We'll there, talk but. a little bit more about him as a prospect later. Sure. Okay. Okay. There was one more visit, though. There was. Yes. Timmy. <laughs> uh, of course. Timmy T. How can we not talk about Tim Tebow, who reportedly worked out per Adam Schefter and uh, the rest of the Eagles B crew jumping on board? I've never seen a workout get more publication than what. Uh, I think it's great. I hope we sign him. We're not going to, but I hope <laughs> yeah. we do. I think it'd be great. Transition from there to some of the recent mock drafts that have come out. Charlie Casterly of NFL Network has Landon Collins, Alabama safety, pegged to the Eagles at number 20. So, again, safety position going to be in the spotlight. I could see that being a popular mock draft position. I think position. that's the popular one right now. We have to update our mock draft I want to say I want to say the Belichick quote, but I, I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> Charlie's a great guy. I mean, look, I mean, Collins is going to be the guy for the time being that's going to be one of the more popular names mocked to the Eagles. And uh, I don't just don't think he's going to be there. That's I mean that's going to be the question is you know is is his value going to spike because of there the lack no of safeties, safeties right yeah. and that that's a valid point someone's going to reach yeah I mean yeah. At, at six foot two hundred thirty pounds he was the I think he was two twenty eight at the combine he was the heaviest safety for sure uh, you know I think he's probably best fit in a kind of Dion Buchanan the way that Arizona utilized him this past season uh, close to the line of scrimmage I think that he can play deep but uh, I, I think he's definitely at his best moving forward you know attacking the ball downhill. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a really intriguing player. I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Is he a true first-round talent, or is his value being pushed up because of the fact that he's the consensus top safety and there aren't many other safeties I think he's available? a first-round first talent as long as you use him in the right way. I mean, that, that's the thing is that Deion Buchanan, I, last year I didn't think Deion Buchanan was a first-round pick, but the way that Arizona used him, absolutely he was worthy of a first-round pick because he was such a, a dynamic player for them on, uh, on that defense last year. Um, I would say that if you're going to draft him and use him in that way, absolutely he's worth it. All right. And our other mock draft, we're checking in on Rob Rang from CBS Sports. An Oregon lineman, not Jake Fisher, Eric Armstead. Interesting. End. I would be surprised if the Eagles used, used their first-round pick on defensive line, considering the other positions, not of necessarily of need, but that need attention in the draft. What happened to best player, Bo? I know. I agree. Best player you know, listen, I'm just saying I'd be surprised. Yes. I maybe he is the be, by far the best player on the board, but I would be surprised. And he is he's got a ton of potential. I mean, you look at a guy who's six seven, near three hundred pounds. Uh, the athleticism, the sideline to sideline speed that he's got, uh, and it's not just the raw athleticism. I mean, there's uh, a lot of people question his his ability just because of the lack of production. But I mean, you guys know in that kind of scheme, in that three four scheme, those defensive ends aren't necessarily going to put up the hugest numbers. Uh, this guy's got the ability to hold up at the point of attack. He's got good technique. He can attack uh, blockers in a number of different ways. Um, I, I like Armstead. I think he's got as much upside to me as Leonard Williams, who a lot of people think is the, the best defensive player in the draft. So Armstead Bold. to me is a is a stud. All right, so on that note, we're going to bring in Joe Dolan from FantasyGuru.com, this week's Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. This week's Mr. Relevant is someone who fans of the website are quite familiar with, Joe Dolan from FantasyGuru.com. You can follow him on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. 
He's a co-host of our Fancy Spin segment along with Bo Wolf and also writes the Presented weekly... Presented by Bud Light. Correct. And also writes the weekly Fancy Spin column that can be found on Fridays during the season. Joe, looking at what the Eagles have done in the first week of free agency, I think it's safe to say that fantasy owners are going to be pretty frustrated with this team next year, especially when you look at the running back position with DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, and Darren Sproles in the backfield. Yeah, uh, Chris and Bo, I, when they signed Ryan Matthews, and Fran too. Or when the, and Fran, excuse me, sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was in the studio. Fran, I can't believe I forgot you. I'm so sorry. Anyway, right. he gets forgotten a lot. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when you, when you guys called me to do this segment, I was pulled away from Fran's wonderful Sam Bradford piece on Philadelphia. Oh, wow, look at that. There you go. How about that? So I was right in the middle of that. It's going to take me about three years to digest because it's so interesting. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Let's talk about the Eagles' backfield. Now, after the Frank Gore situation, I, I don't know what else to call it other than that, and I, I thought that Ryan Matthews, uh, of the guys on the market who I thought that the Eagles would pursue, would end up being a really great fit in Chip Kelly's offense. And I wasn't surprised when the reports came down that Ryan Matthews was agreeing to terms with the Eagles. I thought, uh, in, in ways, I thought they might have actually lucked out, ended up getting a better player for their offense. And then the interest in DeMarco Murray, when it first said, hey, the Eagles still have on the fringes, I was like, ah, you know, they want to pull away from the Cowboys or they want to drive the Cowboys price up. Um, I wasn't reading into it too much. And then you hear Adam Schefter and Adam Kaplan saying the interest is real. And then I'm like, I started to try to digest. And when DeMarco Murray finally put the pen to the paper and I really had to take a look at this, you know what? DeMarco Murray to be the lead back in the backfield. But we're talking about a guy who had 450 offensive touches last year. Chip Kelly does not want to do that with DeMarco Murray. And in a way, it makes a lot of sense to bring in Murray, Ryan Matthews, and then still have Darren Sproles in this backfield. I think Murray and Matthews, in ways, they're similar players. I think Murray is a guy who has handled, obviously, more of a workload in his career. But the Eagles don't want to drive him into the ground. So my assumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, because assuming what Bitcoin is going to do is a futile exercise, as we've learned this all season, I'm thinking a 55-25-20 between Murray, Matthews, and Sproul. My vision for what the Eagles are going to do is kind of similar to what the Packers do with a little bit of Sproul's mixed in. You're going to have two series for Marco Murray, one series for Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles on key passing down and the return game. And while that might be a headache, I think he's going to run enough plays offensively that DeMarco Murray is still going to provide return on a mid to late first round pick. If he stayed in Dallas, you might be talking about the guy who would have been the number one overall pick in fantasy football. I don't think that's going to happen in Philly. But DeMarco Murray, to me, is still a locked in number one running back. Ryan Matthews is a phenomenal handcuff who some weeks might provide flex value on his own. And frankly, I'm not sure Darren Sproles' role is going to change all that much from what it was last year. Well, Joe, if you were uh, you were delving into Fran's Sam Bradford piece, I think he's maybe the clear winner uh, of this from a fantasy football perspective of the first week of, of Eagles free agency. Uh, do you expect that, that Sam Bradford, if healthy, that's the caveat that we always have to throw out, that he will be a, a starting caliber uh, fantasy quarterback? Absolutely. And... I think one advantage that fantasy players might have with Sam Bradford is the general assumption around the, around the fantasy landscape that Sam Bradford isn't going to be healthy. 
look, now, if Nick Foles was still here, or if Mark Sanchez was projected as the starting quarterback in Philadelphia, or even something that Chip Kelly emphatically shut down, if Marcus Mariota would be the quarterback in Philadelphia, I would think that you would see the Eagles quarterback in that instance getting drafted very high, around quarterback six, seven, eight, even if it was a rookie like Mariota, because of the way people assume this offense is going to be run. I think a savvy fantasy player can take advantage of the fact that people don't know if Sam Bradford's healthy. I expect him to come off the board right now, and I'm just taking a guess, 13, 14, 15 at the quarterback position. But Chip Kelly, in his offense, in his two years in Philadelphia, has produced consistent number one quarterback numbers out of Nick Foles, out of Mark Sanchez, and out of Michael Vick. If Sam Bradford is the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and he stays healthy, he will be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And I know Jeremy Macklin's gone and they've got to work on replacing that, but the guy is going to put up points. It is a fact. We've seen it with multiple guys in multiple years. Sam Bradford is a guy I will be targeting because I don't draft a quarterback early. And you just have that cushion that you can put Mark Sanchez on your roster or always keep an eye out for him on the waiver wire because we know from last year that Sanchez came in and put up numbers. This is an offense that is conducive to success for the quarterback. I will be targeting Sam Bradford in my draft. Joe, of all the pass catchers on this team right now, and obviously there are a few of them that uh, you can refer to, whether it's Riley Cooper, uh, Josh Huff, Zach Ertz, you know, Brent Selleck, there's a lot of options here. Jordan Matthews, obviously, as well. Who do you feel best about going into next year with Jeremy Macklin not on the roster? And obviously, look, there's going to be moves that have yet to be made you know, from those two positions. But who do you feel best about that's on the roster right now? Well, obviously, the guy you feel best about is Jordan Matthews because the track record's there. Matthews was a strong number three receiver in PPR last year, especially with Mark Sanchez, and at times was putting up number one fantasy receiver value. Matthews is a guy whose role I don't really expect to change. And, and the like Darius roles, that's a little comforting given all the changes for the Eagles this year. So I expect Jordan Matthews, while his role might not change, I expect his targets to go up. I think Jordan Matthews is ascending. He looks like a number two fantasy receiver who could put up number one numbers in a PPR. So he's the guy I feel best about. I definitely expect Zach Ertz to take a big step forward. And while his snaps were a little bit down last year, at least in terms of what I expected them to be, I don't think they have the luxury of limiting his snaps anymore, given the departure of Jeremy Macklin. Zach Ertz is a top-five fantasy tight end in my mind, simply because the landscape is so tough with, with Jimmy Graham moving on somewhere else and Julius Thomas moving on somewhere else. I think Zach Ertz takes a step up. And, but my personal favorite, Fran, and you and I have talked about this, I'm all in on Josh Huff. Uh, I hope you follow me on Twitter because two weeks ago before free agency, I said, go get Josh Huff if he's cheap in your, in your dynasty leagues. Jeremy Macklin's a free agent. I thought at that time that the deal would have been done if it was going to get done. Um, Chip Kelly's offense is very conducive, as we said with Sam Bradford, putting up numbers. And Josh Huff has a really dynamic skill set. As a matter of fact, I think you can make the argument that Josh Huff has a more natural talent than Jordan Matthews. He just didn't get the chance to show it off last year. I'm very high on Josh Huff, and while I expect the Eagles to add maybe a free agent, maybe, maybe a, a trade, I expect them to draft a guy or two at the wide receiver position, I think Josh Huff is a guy who is clearly ascending in his second year. Joe, speaking of the draft, we talked about some of the reported visits, and Nelson Aguilar from USC, Jalen Strong from Arizona State are players who have been mentioned to have visited the Eagles in the pre-draft process. Who are some of these guys, some of these receivers, 
that could be selected by the Eagles who could potentially help from a fantasy standpoint as rookies next season? Well, one guy who I've really been interested in is a raw player out of Auburn by the name of Sammy Coates. And I really am intrigued by his after-the-catch ability. There's some deficiencies in his route running. He had inconsistent hands in college. But the physical profile for a guy like Sammy Coates is there. And I don't think he's a guy who you're going to have to take in the first round in order to get your hands on him. And another guy who I think is really fascinating for the Eagles, simply because we know that they kind of like these guys who blur the lines between positions, and that's Devin Funches of Michigan. He's a big guy who didn't time as well at the combine as you might think, but he plays like a wide receiver. And while he looks like a tight end, he plays like a wide receiver, that gives the Eagles a ton of matchup problems. If you look at Zach Ertz, you look at Darren Sproles, if you look at Jordan Matthews, who they use as a big guy out of the slot, I think a guy like Devin Funches could give the Eagles a ton of options. I think he's somebody they probably have to take in the first round, maybe trade back up in the second like they did with Jordan Matthews to take him. But he's a guy who I think the Eagles, you could see them target on the first or second day of the draft. I think, uh, Joe, obviously we would be uh, surprised if the Eagles took a running back early this year after the uh, free agent expenditure for DeMarco Murray and, and Ryan Matthews, but uh, I know you've been studying this this really deep group of running backs entering the draft. Uh, obviously it's going to depend a lot on fit where these guys go, but do you have an early favorite uh, at that running back position? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be uh, blowing anybody away when I say that Todd Gurley is my favorite back in the draft. I mean, he does everything. The question is, is he healthy? But as we've seen, and the Eagles obviously believe, ACL injuries at times are not as serious as they used to be. They, Todd Gurley is a freak of nature who's young, is working back from his ACL injury, expects to be ready sometime around training camp. I would not be shocked if Todd Gurley was a first-round pick in this draft. And as you mentioned, though, it depends entirely on where guys fit as to whether, where I'm going to project them for fantasy. Right now, I, I put out a top 10 list of my, my favorite top 10 backs heading into the draft. I expect it to completely change post-draft for fantasy because of where these guys are going to land. But you might see a guy like Melvin Gordon. Maybe Melvin Gordon ends up in Dallas. And at that point, while I have a little bit of questions about Melvin Gordon's ability to be a three-down back in the National Football League, if he lands in Dallas, I think he's going to be a really high fantasy uh, pick. I think he's going to be somebody who's really coveted because of that spot. Uh, maybe somebody like Kevin Coleman, who I have around six or seven, he comes out as the guy who ends up in Dallas, and he lands in a great spot. Maybe David Cobb is given a shot to be a lead back somewhere, or maybe he ends up somewhere where he's behind an established veteran and is going to have to wait his turn. So while it's a really deep, it's a really diverse group of running backs, we're not going to be able to shake them out for fantasy until after the draft. And if you're doing something like maybe a best ball league, like, a, like an MSL 10 or something like that. Right now, I would just focus on talent. Gurley would be my first running back off the board. Maybe you take a guy like Jay Ajayi, who was an established three-down back at Boise State, and I expect to get an early three-down role in the NFL. Maybe you take him early. And the other guys, you just got to cross your fingers and hope they land in the right spot. Joe, one thing that's always fascinated me is, you know, obviously there's so many, the, the, when you look at the at draft season, there's so many uh, media entities that are evaluating and are judging all these different prospects. And obviously with the boom of fantasy football, so many of the fantasy football sites are jumping in on, on evaluating all these players. How do you think that, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, 
you know, you, the, the evaluations change a little bit when you're trying to evaluate a guy from a fantasy perspective and then as to what he can bring to an NFL roster, uh, you know, from, a, from an X's and O's perspective. How, how do those th- two things change, you know, when you're looking at a, a player at, let's say, the running back position? Well, this is what, what's really difficult to me, Fran, and I'm going to stick with the running back position for an example of what I'm looking for. When I've been, I've been studying the running backs, and I, look, I'm not going to try to say I'm a draftnik or anything like that. My, my main focus, because I'm a fantasy guy, is on the skill position. But I've been watching these running backs really hard for a couple months because I knew it was a great class coming out. And on film, my favorite guy to watch has been Amir Abdullah of Nebraska. But there's a couple things that concern me about him. Number one, he fumbles a ton. Number two, his blocking, his size are not conducive to having a consistent third-down role in the NFL. So I'm trying to balance the fact that I absolutely love his natural running ability, his ability to catch the ball, with the fact that he does two things that coaches in the NFL absolutely hate. He fumbles and he can't block. And if you can't get on the field, you're not going to put up fantasy numbers. So that's what I'm trying to to, uh, balance when when I'm looking at these rookies. Does this guy do something that a guy like Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin's a guy who we have complained about for years in the fantasy industry because of he takes talented younger players off the field because he looks at them the wrong way. But you have to look at, at why Tom Coughlin is doing that. If, if Amir Abdullah lands with the New York Giants, for instance, and I'm not saying he will, but just saying he does, and he fumbles in his first game, he's going to end up like David Wilson a couple years ago where he's in the doghouse. So I have to look at what does he do that might annoy a veteran coach. What does he do that can get him off the field? And then I have to try to balance that for fantasy. So that's why Amir Abdullah, who, in my opinion, was my second favorite back I watched after Todd Gurley in this draft, why did I put him at five on my pre-draft rookie report? Simply because he does some things that I think might keep him off the field. Joe Dolan from FantasyGuru.com. You can check out the site. They're providing content all throughout the draft season. In fact, you can sign up for newsletters, and they'll be delivered right to your email to give you the latest fantasy implications of all the free and moves and what could be coming up later on in the draft season joe thank you very much for joining us here on the journey to the draft podcast presented by triple a guys it was awesome thank you now it's time for pick six all right time for this week's pick six so in honor of march madness which kicks off tonight actually with the playing games we're gonna select six players each who have basketball backgrounds so since we know Bo's not going to be doing any work later in the week, come <laughs> Thursday, taking off the uh, for the holiday, we got we got days off to burn before the the calendar sure. turns over on April first. It is true. I'm a Temple grad. I don't have anything to celebrate. Uh, Pretty bitter. Talking about you got, you got you got NIT, the, the number one seed in the NIT. Sure. Ooh, yes. I, I every year I do uh, I do a mock bracket just because I used to always do it, uh, and so I, I keep the tradition alive. I had Temple as the very last team in. Oh, you, so they they yeah, didn't have they did didn't have bracketology. They they <laughs> have only themselves. <laughs> they have only themselves to blame, but they they had a better uh, uh, case than UCLA for sure. Those those Northeastern Huskies made it. Yeah, yeah. We'll just move on. Yeah, we'll just move on from that. Especially since they play in the same conference as Drexel. So there you go. Not that Drexel's been to the conference tournament since uh since I started going to school there back in '98. Yes. All right, so pick six. I'll start things off, and I'll, I'll take the easy one here. Quentin Rollins, Miami, Ohio, was a four-year basketball player at Miami, finished second in school history in steals. 
Yeah, and obviously one of the more intriguing cornerback prospects in this draft just because of his one athleticism. One year. One yeah. year college football. Yeah, and I think like when you talk about upside for a player, I think there's, there's a lot of different things that go into that. Um, but I think if teams, if he can check out mentally, if people think that he's going to you know, be motivated to improve his stock as a football player, I think he, you know, the sky's the limit for that kid because he's got all the athletic traits you want. All right, next, we already talked about him, one of the mock draft selections. Eric Armstead was a two-year letterman at Pleasant Grove High School in Sacramento, California. And he played at Oregon. Yes. So, you. very intriguing guy. Another double dip there. Benardrick McKinney, also discussed earlier on the show, was a starter for the Rosa Fort Mississippi high school basketball team. Average double-double. Really good year. team, that team. Rosa Fort, that's yeah. right. Yes. Pound the boards. Number four on my list here, Devin Smith of Ohio State. Played at Maslin with a documentary, Go Tigers. Okay. The subject of documentary there. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Vic Beasley of Clemson. Get a little edge rush burst off the edge there. Uh, played high school and AAU ball in Georgia. And last but not least, a historic figure here, Gene Sifrin of UMass. Played with James Naismith. Play, he, he played James with James Naismith. James Naismith, yeah, yes. that's right. See? <laughs> you beat me to it. I had, I had to that's work good. that in for you. Yeah. So He used to shoot on peach baskets. <laughs> <laughs> played at uh, Miami New Orleans High School and even had small school offers to play college basketball. See, it's interesting, though, that you bring up – when you talk about Rollins and his athletic upside and then you talk about Sifrin and people – I've seen that Sifrin is getting thrown out as having a lot of upside. I don't know that he's got a lot of upside. He doesn't. Yeah. He's the only downside. Yeah. <laughs> His a- athletic, his athletic peak has come and gone. Yeah, and and just because you know from the, all the questions you hear, and obviously we don't know, you know, we don't, we've never met the kid, we don't know him, and we don't know all the details. But any reports say that you know there may be some questions about how he is off the field. So is is he going to improve? I don't know. I mean, that's the that's the question. So how much upside is there? I mean, that's the question with Sifrin. I know you're a big fan. That's the reason not, I picked him. There is not that's much all. of a upside. That's the answer. <laughs> it's the only reason I selected him. So. All right, there you go. So you're six guys. Okay. You go. You go All right, I'll go. All right, so uh, for my first one, I went with TJ Clemmings out of Pittsburgh, former uh, – or not former. I think a lot of people think he could be uh, a first-round pick in this draft, 6'5", 309 pounds, only played two years of high school football, but he was a legitimate D1 basketball prospect, had offers from Providence and Seton Hall, um, could have gone and gone on to play uh, D1 uh, college basketball, but he was the number one football prospect in the state of New Jersey. So – uh, decided to play uh, play at Pitt as a defensive end, made the switch over to offensive line. Was he ever close to going to, going to T? No, he wasn't T close to going to T. No, I mean, we've gotten the number one prospect out of uh, out of Jersey a couple of years, but uh, Clemmings was a guy that was, I, I think he was a four or five-star recruit. And, okay. um, you know, go, going to Pitt, and obviously it's worked out for him. Uh, the second guy is Nick Marshall out of uh, out of Auburn. Uh, when he signed on it at Georgia, obviously he started his career at Georgia as a corner, uh, which is what he's going to play in the NFL. Um he signed on to play both sports. So he played both basketball and he played football. Uh, and he's got a, like Brandon Boykin, he's got a dunk tape on YouTube. So uh, you can go check out Nick Marshall's ability. Dog's going to the tournament. Yeah, there you go. Why don't you just work in some of the highlights for those who are well, watching I'll this. I'll think about it. Uh, so, you got Nick, so you got Nick Marshall there. Uh, the third one's Randy Gregory. Six, just under 6'5", 235 pounds. A lot of people think he's one of the best pass rushers in the draft. Uh, he's got that basketball frame. He had legitimate D1 basketball interest coming out of high school. Uh, he's actually talked about how you know his he had senioritis his senior year of high school and how he was thinking maybe you know I'm not going to qualify for football maybe I'll just go and play basketball instead and uh, you know so he's kind of toying with that ended up going out the, out west to junior college actually broke his leg playing basketball and that like affected all the different offers he got so uh, and recently actually I was just reading in an interview 
he talked about how he actually hopes that he plays linebacker at the next level instead of defensive end because playing in space, it kind of reminded him of playing basketball. So okay. uh, that basketball background is, uh, is paying dividends there for Gregory. Um, number four, I went with Desmond Lewis, the wide receiver out of Central Arkansas. Bo, we saw him down at the, at the Senior Bowl, and that the, the basketball background definitely comes into, into play here for Lewis because 6'4", 214 pounds. He's bigger than a Devontae Parker, who I think they have very similar skill sets in a lot of different ways with their ability to go up and get the ball. Um, and Lewis, with those great ball wheels, I mean, he's got the – I think the, the arrow's pointing up on that kid. I think, uh, you know, he's got a ton of upside when you talk about uh, the receiver position. So Lewis, a guy with a basketball background that I think uh, has some ability. Uh, let's see, Ronald Martin's a guy that we saw in person, Bo, at the, uh, at the Shrine game, safety out of LSU, 6'1", 217 pounds, played basketball at LSU, not just in high school. He's all-state uh, as a basketball player in high school, but played in LSU – uh, athletic kid played over the slot runs pretty well plays sideline to sideline a lot of the questions people have are just his instincts and you know his ability to run downhill and take good angles uh, I think that's why he wasn't invited to the combine uh, but lastly Shaq Riddick out of West Virginia who was one of the pro day stars early on uh, I think last week he, he ran uh, let's see at 245 pounds ran a 459 he had a 36 uh, vertical jump had 124 inches on the broad uh, tested well in the shuttle so uh, big kid with athletic upside. He was a Gardner-Webb transfer. He's only played one year at West Virginia. Uh, I actually watched him at, at, at Gardner-Webb, and he's got he's got some ability. He's got some. Uh, he definitely has some athletic upside. Uh, but it's a question of look, you know, can he put it all together for the next level? All right, I'll start with uh, Southern Illinois tight end Michael Pruitt, sure, who played basketball at Kirkwood, Jeremy Macklin's high school in right. uh, St. Louis. Played basketball and volleyball team won a uh, district title and obviously you saw that athleticism when he when he blew up the combine best 40 yard dash best vertical jump uh, among tight ends fourth in the broad jump third in the shuttle so you saw that from him i yep. thought fran would take him fran i know is a big michael per uh, uh, Bo, Bo took him early I mean, he's one of the best receiving tight ends in this draft so pruitt's a, a fun guy all right moving on to uh similar to vic beasley bud dupree from kentucky also a uh, a standout basketball player his team in georgia won a class a state title and you know, just imagining him on the basketball court, like you know, trying to take a charge from Bud Dupree coming at is like a, is a nightmare. Uh, and you you saw his athleticism too, the best broad jump among uh, defensive linemen and linebackers, third uh, in the forty with a four five six, and second in the vertical jump. All right, uh, Jaquiski Tart from Sanford down in Mobile. He was actually a basketball player through and through, uh, and was trying to go to play college basketball before his senior year. Uh, in high school when he went to the, the football coach and, and asked to, to play a little bit of football. So that's probably why he wound up at Sanford because he only had one, one year of, of football uh, in high school. What's the, what's the pro comparison on him, Brian Thomas? Jaquiski Tark, Camp Chancellor 2.0. That's all I called him when we were down in Mobile. Oh, okay. Sleeping on his favorite guy. I thought you meant the NBA comparison. No, I mean, come on. Miles. He was a, uh, a, <laughs> a all-academic team member of the uh, Mobile Press Register's basketball team. So there, there you go. go. All right, uh, next... Oregon center Hronis Grasso, and this one is reaching a little bit, played one year of college <laughs> of high school basketball at Crespi High School, averaged one point per game and 2.6 rebounds per game. But <laughs> his favorite player growing up, his idol, his athletic idol, Kobe Bryant. Oh, okay. yeah. He, you can really see that in his game. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Hey, that's, that's who he wanted to be. All right. Well, speaking of Drexel basketball, we go to Jalen Strong now, the Arizona State wide receiver. His father... John Rankin, great story. His father, the second leading scorer in Drexel basketball history, then went on to become a detective in, uh, with, in, with the Philadelphia police, passed away uh, from leukemia when Jalen Strong was nine years old. Um, so he's like he's this just beloved 
figure in Philadelphia, Jalen Strong. Played a little bit in high school. Was mostly a football player though yeah. at uh, West Catholic, and then came to uh, came to the Eagles a couple days ago. So, and he's he's a guy who obviously is in contention to be maybe the third receiver drafted. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely in contention for that spot. We talked about him last week, just comparing him to to Jordan Matthews uh, with the, with the ball skills, the ability, be able the ability to be able to go up and win contested situations. Uh, Strong brings that to the table. All right, now my final guy. This one you you were building up a little bit, and this is I wanted to do my entire pick six like this. I wanted to find college basketball players who could potentially. Uh, go into the uh, NFL, okay. a la Julius Thomas and Jimmy Graham. Yep. Uh, so you're looking for that that body type that is sort of out of place on the basketball court. Guy, you know, Julius Thomas was six five two forty when he was in college. Graham was six eight two sixty, obviously a little bit bigger. Uh, and I wanted to find guys in the tournament. Slim Pickens. So I only found one, but I found my guy. This is my horse. Now the problem is he's only a sophomore, uh, so we're gonna have to wait a couple years. But he is six six two fifty. His name is Mo. Ali Cox from VCU. So uh, VCU is a seven seed in the West. They play Ohio State Thursday at 440. I want everybody to watch Mo Ali Cox. He averages 5.7 rebounds a game, 7.4 points, 7-1 wingspan at 6-6. He's a beast. I watched some highlights. He's, he is built like a football player. This is my guy. You heard it here first. There you go. See? Scout in the making. Perhaps the future Bowl. Eagles tight end. He's a future Pro Bowl tight end, Mo Ali Cox. There you go. He's a scout. He's a bracketologist. Is there anything Bo can't do? Nothing. <laughs> except, you, except, well, you know what I can do? I can toss to an interview with TJ Clemmings. The unofficial visit. And joining me now here at the Renaissance Hotel down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, Pittsburgh offensive tackle T.J. Clemmings. T.J., for a player or a fan that hasn't watched you, can you give a scouting report for what uh, fans can expect to see from you on the field? Um, you know, they can expect to see me uh, out there flying around as a tackle, really. I mean, uh, I bring some uh, athleticism to the game and some speed, and uh, I try to use that uh, as an advantage. Is that what you feel like your redeeming quality is, your athleticism? Is that what sets you apart? Uh, yeah, I would say. I mean, uh, I haven't been playing that long, so technically I'm not all the way there where I'd like to be, but, you know, that, that takes some time and that takes some work, so uh, I'll get there, but, you know. For fans that don't, don't know, TJ made the switch from the defensive line to the offensive line a couple years ago. What has that switch been like? Uh, is there a player that you kind of patting yourself after to kind of, you know, mold yourself into an offensive <clears throat> tackle? Oh, not necessarily. Uh, not at first. I, uh, I was really just trying to learn a position and just learn um, plays and what I needed to, to learn to to really just be able to be on the field. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say more to my, my second year, I started watching uh, offensive tackles uh, who were doing really well in the league. You know, uh, Jason Peters, uh, the Dwayne Browns, the uh, uh, Tyron Smiths, you know, of the league. I, I really enjoy watching those guys. I try to learn and pick up a few things that maybe they're doing that's helping them as tackle so uh, those are guys that I like to watch. Do you feel like as you're with your history as a defensive lineman that that helps you on the offensive side knowing different techniques and knowing like okay this is what the defensive lineman is going to want to try and do to me I have to prevent that? It, you know it, it helps it helps a little bit um, sometimes I forget uh, that I, I can go back to that and, and help myself as an offensive lineman but um, it does help uh, a small amount. 
Is there a player down here in Mobile that you've seen that you're, you know, you say, okay, this is the best guy here <clears throat> defensively that you've gone up against practice? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say Nate Orchard. Nate Orchard, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been pretty good, and, uh, and I respect this game a lot. So Nate Orchard was the best player here that you've gone up against. Who was the best player that you went up against this season? Uh, I would say uh, Daddy Nichols, a similar style kind of player with speed. Okay. Um, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yep. yeah. He's, uh, he's one of the players I've been telling everybody who uh, I really uh, had to prepare for. Not that I didn't have to prepare for anybody else, but really just he was one of those guys that, uh, you know, it could have been a good, really good game. Going in, last question, going into a game, if you know you're going to be going up against a pass rusher that's on the smaller, quicker side or the bigger power guy, what would you rather go up against? Uh, I'd say the, the bigger power guy. Okay. I would say, um, you know, you'd hope that they get tired a little faster <laughs> than the smaller there guys. But, um, I mean, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to get all different kinds of guys on the right. next level anyway, so might as well prepare for them all. All right, well, TJ Clemmings, thanks very much for joining us. Hopefully we see you in Philadelphia one day. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. On the clock. Fran, wonderful, uh, insightful interview with TJ Clemmings there. Thank you. And it's time now for On the Clock. Great. And, you know, Woo! I want to get through these a little quicker because I do want to get to uh, all the, the mock drafts from the, yes. from the fans. So yes. let's, let's, let's go through these. But today's game is a new game. Ooh. It's called Third is the Word. Third Not bird is the word. Is the Third word. is the word. Okay. And I want to I want to get us on the record with some with some predictions before the draft. Okay. First question: Who will be the third quarterback drafted? Will it be someone like Garrett Grayson, Brett Hundley, Sean Mannion, mm. Blake Sims, Bryce Petty? Who will be the third quarterback drafted? I think it's I think it's Brett Hundley. I agree. I think it's Brett Hundley. I, I think that the the physical traits will be too much for a team to pass up on, and in a class where. You know, there's not a ton of talent. I think teams, will, someone will bet on the the high character and the athletic traits. I was going to add the high character part of it. Seems like he could be the face of a franchise. Um, but I'll go with Brett Hundley. Uh, I don't want it to be. be I don't want it to be a clean sweep. But I think I'll go Brett Hundley also. Yeah. Okay. All okay. Right. All right. This is a tough one. Who will be the third wide receiver drafted? Obviously, we assume Kevin White, Amari Cooper, in some order, will be one, two. Seems like Devontae Parker is maybe the consensus one right yeah. now. Yeah. I know, Fran, you don't agree that he's the third best receiver, That's and that you've got a bunch of guys Perryman, Funchess, Sammy Coates, Jalen Strong, Devin Smith, DGB. A lot of options. I do tend to think that Parker will be the third guy drafted. I mean, look, I mean, a year ago, I didn't think that Justin Gilbert was the number one corner in the least bit. Yeah. But if you asked before the draft, I, thought, I would have said Justin Gilbert's going to be the first corner off the board. Uh, I think Devontae Parker will probably be the third one. I think if there is a challenge, it would be Jalen Strong. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say Parker. I don't disagree. It just seems like the consensus is too much in that direction. And it's funny because I, I just hear Fran, Fran's voice in the back of my head like, you know. He's not that not, good. He's not that good. He shouldn't be that high. <laughs> But I'm like, but every, and it's not that, you know, one person right or wrong in this way. It's just everyone else is in that direction. So I will, I'll just lean toward Parker. I'm going to, I'll go off the board. I'll, I'll, I don't want this one to be a clean sweep. Okay. Um, and I, this would surprise me, I guess, but I, but it makes sense. I'm going to go with, with someone is going to take a risk on the talent. Oh, and go, DGB. No. DGB. Sure. No. All right. I'll say, I'll say Green Beckham. So yeah. it's not the Eagles. Just put yeah. it on the, put it on the board. Okay. All right. Who is going to be the third player drafted? Ooh. Who's going to be the number three overall pick? Mm. Tampa Bay, Tennessee, one, two, right now. Jacksonville is on the clock at three. I think it's Dante Fowler. I, I really think that Leonard Williams is going to go two to Tennessee. Um, and I think Jacksonville is going to take Dante Fowler. I think they need an edge rusher. They need that that Leo. 
Uh, and I, I think Fowler, local guy, uh, high character, has the athletic upside for a pass rusher. I, I think it'll be Fowler. But you're also contradicting yourself last week when you said Mariota would go top two or top three. I did. That's but true. That's okay. That's all right. We're no, throwing, we we, we got to go on the record with a bunch of things. They're going to contradict themselves. Yep. I'm going thinking Mariota goes no top two. It'll be Leonard Williams would go number three. And you have okay. young, tons of potential, productive at USC, can play all over the line. You know, I don't know if he's going to live up to a Richard Seymour type comp, but uh, I'll, I'll give Gus Bradley a nice little weapon there along the defensive line and Leonard Williams. I'm going to go. I'm going to. Could they take a receiver? I'm going to go Amari Cooper. Could I was going to say, could they get. They just took two receivers, though, and they got another one in Alan Hearns and undrafted. I mean, they took three guys last year. Yeah, and they spent, and they spent money on Julius Thomas. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Stockpile. Yeah. I would just go off the board. Yeah, that's fine. It I, could, I love yeah, it could be Mariota, too. It could be a team trading to three to get Mariota. Sure, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. okay. All right. Who will be the third Oregon player drafted? Which basically means Mariota's going one, we assume. Yeah. Will it be Who will be picked first, Armstead or Fisher? And so who will then be picked third? I think Fisher is third. Armstead's potential, you know, that 6-7 frame, you know. Do I see the mock draft that he's there at 20? If I'm the Eagles, I'm almost thinking – I'm hoping he'd be there. Twenty, would be a nice player to have. I understand how good the defensive line is, and there are other holes you want to fill. Uh, I, I think Fisher will be the third Oregon player. I, I tend to agree, and we're on the same. Me and C Mac are on the same page here. But uh, I think Armstead's upside is is just way too high for him to last at twenty to me. Uh, I, and I think he's good enough as a player right now uh, that he can warrant that selection. I, I think Armstead will go uh, two, and Fisher will go three. I agree. I think Fisher three. Okay. I okay. Like that. Who will be the third running back drafted? Now, this is tough because mm. we, there is not a necessarily oh, yeah. consensus about one, two. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it could be Gurley and Melvin Gordon, but, you know, maybe maybe Gurley is the third running back drafted. You've oh, got all the guys, good. Abdullah, Yeldon, Tevin Colbin, Ajayi, uh, David Cobb, Duke Johnson. Who will be the third running back drafted? I'm going to go – this is a player who – Caught my eye on the combine from the size standpoint, not realizing how big a frame he has. TJ Yeldon from Alabama. Um, I'm thinking probably Gordon Gurley. Not sure which order. Probably at this point, Gordon, uh, mainly because of the injury. But I will go with TJ Yeldon as the number three, three back. I would tend to agree. I'll go off the board for this one. Um, Time really or I'll, go, I'll go, not, go, no, go off, off the, the board, board, but I'll go me. away. I'll go away from uh, from Yeldon here. I'm going to go Jay Ajayi, uh, you know, a guy that I think can fit in a number of different schemes. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think that Amir Abdullah has a lot of upside, you know, just from his ability as a pass receiver as well. But, um, you know, I, I think Ajayi's got the ability to hold a, a full workload, uh, especially if a team, you know, like Dallas. I mean, Dallas could draft him to be their, 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 their guy and he would be their starter. So, um, you know, I see him having that kind of potential. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ajayi be the next guy off the board. I'm, I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon. I think, I think Gurley is going to go one. Yep. And I think someone is going to fall in love with either Ajayi or Coleman uh, as a guy who they can bring in and just be a three-down back right away because sure. Gordon has those question marks as to whether he can be a three-down back. So I think, I think someone's going to fall in love with one of those guys. And Gordon, and Gordon I like goes that. Three. Okay. All right, last one, and this will prepare us for the final segment. Who will be... The third pick by the Eagles. Who will be the Eagles' third-round pick, mm. assuming they keep all their picks? Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that we've talked about a couple times already. Hope it's a guy. And it's uh, Nelson Aguilar. 
we've seen that we've seen the, the history with guys that have visited. Uh, he's a yards after catch guy, which is obviously important in the Eagles offense. I think I think any receiver that's what I that's one of the more uh, common questions I get on Twitter. What receiver fits for the Eagles offense? I think any receiver uh, fits in this offense. It's a matter of what you're looking for. Um, but Aguilar, I think. Uh, played in a similar offense, has the yards after catch ability, can line up inside or outside, very similar to what Josh Huff was a year ago. Um, I'm going to go Aguilar. It's going to be a position that fans are going to look to target. I don't think he'll be here in the third round. This is where, where I'm struggling. It's the value of, of as we grade be there, these. But, if one of us hits on this, this is like this is worth well, like 20 points because this is uh, okay. So this, this, is this is a ridiculous. bonus. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go someone who we've talked about on the program already: Demarius Randall, the safety from uh-huh. Arizona State. That's a good one. Um, I like that. You know, could be good value. I think he probably, because of the lack of safety help available in draft, probably gets pushed up into that second round. But um, if he's there in the third round, I think he's a Philadelphia Eagle. This is tough. This is a tough one. Um, and, you know, I, as I said, I do these every day. Uh, <laughs> yep. And generally speaking, my first three rounds are in some combination, <laughs> offensive line, wide receiver, secondary. And I, this guy, he might not. He's probably not going to be there in the third round. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Stanford corner Alex Carter. I, I think it's possible sure. he's there because I think he's like a step below athletically he, yes. what teams want for like that top shelf corner. So I like that. And he fits. He fits the scheme. Sure. Yep. He's got that Pac-12 connection that everybody yep. is always looking for. I'm going High Alex character. Carter. High character. All right. Well, before we get to the fan mock drafts, we have one more unofficial visit. My dear friend Blake Bell, the former quarterback turned tight end from Oklahoma. Hope he lands in uh, Midnight Green. The unofficial visit. All right, we're here with Oklahoma tight end Blake Bell, former quarterback, of course. What has this been uh, this week been like for you, continuing the transition to, to tight end? Oh, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, obviously coming out here with some of the nation's best, uh, you know, guys you've been playing against uh, during the year and, and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, I think everyone's having fun with it. What is the, the toughest part of the transition from, from quarterback to tight end that started last season? Well, I think it's just different from not taking snaps and, and dropping back and looking at coverages other than your hands on the ground, you're blocking defensive ends, uh, you know, you're blocking linebackers and that, that kind of stuff. Running routes, blocking, where, where do you feel like you're most developed? Where do you feel like you need to, to work on? Well, I think everything's coming along. I feel like I'm getting better each and every day with all that. Uh, but, you know, these next couple of months, I want to fine-tune um, all the different stuff, blocking, routes, and all that stuff. Are there guys who you, in the league who you sort of look at and say, feel like you, you, you could have a similar game to them? Um, a, a lot of them. A lot of tight ends, you can see it's kind of progressing as a lot of guys running routes and catching the ball, and, and they're good blockers. So, you know, I could sit here and name a bunch, but uh, there's a lot of good ones. Because tight end has sort of been a, a position where guys can develop over time from not necessarily being a tight end for a long time, you know, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, all these guys, do you feel like there's a, a good future for you? Absolutely. And I'm excited about it. I'm just out here having fun and, and trying to show everyone that, that I can play tight end and I want to play tight end. You think we'll see a double pass on Saturday at some point? You'll get to throw it at all? That'd be nice, <laughs> but we'll see. All right, and then any expectations for, for the combine or for the draft for uh, numbers you'll put up or anything like that or where you hope to come off the board? Um, you know, have some goals set, but that'll be this next month. Um, go work and, and, and try to reach all of them. All right, well, Blake, best of luck, and maybe one day we'll see you in Philadelphia. Yes, sir. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, this was this is a Fran's brainchild here. It's a very good one. We submitted on Twitter for fans to submit their mock draft. 
Now, at first, you know, Fran's like, oh, have him do a seven-round mock draft. I'm like, I know some fans are going to be hardcore fans and, and have a seven-round mock draft. We got a few of those. And we got quite a few. Yep. And some, you know, offered probably the first couple picks. But basically, we just said, we'll just take whatever you want. If you want to do a first-round pick, first three picks, full mock draft, let's, let's have at it. So let's, let's go, let's like go through these. There's a bunch should, we give like, should we give like a prize to the best one? Um, I don't want to promise any prizes since we still have yeah, stuff from the true. season that we need to send out. Bo so. Wolf will sign a basketball and send it to you. Okay. <laughs> and someone will jump on that. All right. So first one jumping on here from at Mr. Nathan Yell goes with Lyle Collins okay. in the first round. I like that. I like Lyle Collins. Potential yes, guard. Very okay. nice. Very nice pick there. Gerard Holloman in the second round. Ooh, reach. That, that's where we That's where we kind of did. I, I, Gerard Holloman, I think, can play on the back end as a pass defender, but you got to question his ability to play the run. He's not going in the first three rounds. I don't think so. Do you like him or Sample better? I think you got to go with Sample over over Holloman just because he's a little bit more well-rounded. Okay. And his third-round pick, someone who we talked about, Nelson Aguilar. Oh, okay. He's going with France's third-round pick. There you go. I All like right. that. Back on track. So that's at Mr. Nathan Yell. Now let's go to at GK14. Like Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. Jake Fisher. Okay. First pick. I mean, you know, it just makes gun to my gun to gun to my foot sense. right now. If I had to pick a first round pick for the Eagles, it would be Jake Fisher. <laughs> which which toe is it pointed at? <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't want to be too you know too aggressive, <laughs> too morbid. Okay. <laughs> I, I Jake Fisher's a, look. You guys know how I feel about Jake Fisher. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, before the combine, I said he was a top three tackle for me. I I, I like Jake Fisher a lot. So at I'm the on combine, board with that one when he was performing well at the combine, I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's gonna be your twentieth overall pick, folks. Yeah, maybe, ladies and gentlemen. So just get let's get that in your minds right now, no, just to prepare yourselves. I like it. Uh, second round pick, Byron Jones. Okay. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up, pump the brakes. Uh, let's see what he has. Is a trade up? Uh, it's a safety. I think he's a corner. So I mean, yeah. look, he could play safety, I guess, but I, I think he's a corner, and he was a very good corner to me. So uh, okay. getting him in the second round, I think, is great value. Third round pick, Bo's favorite. Ali Marpet. Nice. There you go. Oh, this Hobart. is a good draft. This is, is a really good draft. I like how this is coming together. Is he is he a third round? I, th- I guy? think he's a mid. I, I think he's a third, right. fourth round gra- yeah. guy. And now that now that's two linemen in the first three picks too. That's good. I like two, that. Two, two, I have no problem with that. I like that. All right. His fourth pick, Henry Receiver. Anderson. Ooh, oh, I like okay. that. The yeah. lineman from Stanford. Very reminiscent of Taylor Hardy yes. a year ago. Okay. He's, he's got to have a receiver in here. That that's the only thing he's missing. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Patience. Alani Fua. Oh, your As guy, your boy. That's uh, C-Mac likes Alani Fu after mm-hmm. the combine. Who, I don't even know who that is. The linebacker from BYU. BYU. Okay. okay. So he's probably like 25. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm out, age, I'm, age I'm out on, on Fu. <laughs> then Adrian Amos, the safety. Okay, I like Amos. He, he, he lands on my team sometimes. Okay. <laughs> First little guy. And then uh, his last pick here, you get the receiver from William & Mary. Oh, Trey, Trey McBride. McBride. Fran loves it. He's like, not going to be there. Is a- <laughs> Trey McBride in the seventh round is great. He's value. not going to be there in the seventh round. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. He's going to be a third, fourth round pick, I think. Yeah. So, there's, but that's that's well, actually like that. technic- like that. technically this would be his sixth pick. I'm just going through. Yeah, he his, doesn't have he doesn't have two fifths. Yeah, that's good though. I, li- good. I like that. I like that's that. Good, All right, leader in the clubhouse. Okay, so next come from at Mark I Campbell number four, Eric Armstead. Okay. Number 20. Okay. Right. And these were solicited before we talked about the mock draft. Sure, so. yep. sure. Double A. Okay. Nelson Aguilar. At round two. Okay. Round All right. two. All right. Third pick, TJ Yeldon. Okay. I know that makes Fran happy. Yeah. A, I'm, I'm liking this draft right now. Okay. Next one. Now, this 
this position some beef on the offensive line with this draft. This position did not come up in a lot of the fan mock drafts. So maybe it's in, in Chip We Trust. Maybe they woke up early and read your great Sam Bradford piece. Uh-oh. Bryce Petty. Okay, round four. Reminiscent of the uh, Matt Barkley pick. That's right. The first of the two fifth round picks, Ifo Ekpre Olumu. Obviously, yep, like everyone's going to link him to the Eagles. Yeah. Torn ACL and went to Oregon. That's right. Next, staying in the secondary, Curtis Drummond. Michigan I like State. that. I like that. This is good value here. Okay. okay. Next coming up, he was the unofficial visit just a few moments ago, Blake Bell. Nice. Oh, I like that. It's a good draft. It's a good draft, but but he's leaving the offensive line bereft. Yes. It's true. And last but not least, we're going back to the secondary. We're going back to Oregon. Eric Dargan. Eric Dargan. Nice. Safety. Yeah, that's a reasonable seventh round pick. I think so. That's a good that's a good draft. That's a good draft. I would agree with we, you. We need, we need some beef line. up front. Yeah. You gotta go heavy there on the undrafted free agent yeah. uh, crew. Okay. So next I think that's my favorite one so far though. You like that one the most? Yeah, okay. I think so. I prefer the one before. Okay. Next we go from at Jerry the Az Man, the Wizard of Az. Okay. <laughs> Pays homage to Jerry Asmero. Yeah, I love Twitter. First round from Fresno State, Deron Smith. I, li- I like Deron Smith. I don't know if he's a first rounder, but I like Deron Smith. He's a versatile guy. And we haven't really talked about him on the podcast. Um, very versatile guy. He's been hurt this pre- this uh, postseason, so he got, couldn't go to the Senior Bowl, uh, couldn't test the combine. Perfect for the Eagles. Uh, yeah, but you, when you watch him, I mean, he lined up over the slot. Uh, he'll come down and he'll hit you. Uh, good instinctive player. He can play man. He can play zone. He's a, he's a very intriguing safety. I, I think he's not getting a lot of love because he hasn't been able to play in the postseason. Okay. Second round pick, Bunches of Funches. Devin Funches love from that. Michigan. Okay. okay, love that in round two. Number three, Cam Irving. Interior lineman, Florida oh, State. I like that. Okay. I like that. I, I think that's kind of, and I think that's where he kind of goes too. I think he's you think a, he's a third round pick? I, I think so. I think he's a second or third round pick. You don't think he's the Travis Frederick of uh, this year draft class, I don't and think so. someone takes him? I could see late that one. Yeah, I don't think. I think he's definitely better fit inside for sure. It's a good pick. Yeah. So he goes. Those are his his picks. Though. Those are his three. Okay. All right. That's, that's a good. A good that's a good, that's a good three round pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All right. Next from at T Lindstrom seventeen first round pick. You know. Kind of uh, gets out of here. Just best available. Okay. Oh, oh, he just, that's what he that's says. Just that's best available. Was it. Best okay. available. Bo okay. likes that. Yeah, great pick. Bo. Love it. <laughs> Man after my own heart. Second round, Shaq Thompson of Washington. Okay. Okay. So play linebacker, you would assume, maybe safety. It depends yeah. on how you feel about him. Yeah. All right. Number three, we've already talked about him. Ifo Ekpre Alumu. Okay. Fourth round pick. East Carolina's Justin Hardy. I, lo- I love Justin yeah, Hardy. Yeah, and he's he. I, I like that pick. <laughs> like that? I, he he lands on my team in the fourth round Does very it? often. Yeah, fourth so, fifth round. Justin you know what? Hardy, you know what like, I like about him? He walked on to East Carolina and he became their leading receiver all time. Like he's he got better every single year. You watched him as a junior, and there were issues with his route running, and you know he had some uh, inconsistent hands. He caught everything this year. He you know set all kinds of records. I mean, he got better every single year. I I like Justin Hardy. Yeah, I, I, I think Arrow's pointing up on him. He's a safe bet, I and think. Poor guy had to catch passes from Shane, from Shane Harden. Harden. Yeah, I mean, gosh. All right, so that's that's his draft. I like that. Next we go yeah, to that's at, a good draft. That's at a good Eagles Geek. He does the first two days of the draft as well. He starts out with Jake Fisher. Okay. First like round. It. Yep. Deron Smith in the second round. Interesting. Another okay. Deron Smith. Okay. And then Nelson Aguilar in the third. Strong. It's a good draft. Yeah, good yeah. group. Good group. Okay. A little more in depth here from at Eagles Nut. Oh, Eagles Nut. Eagles Nut. Goes with Fisher. 
in the sure. first round. We all like. Okay. Quentin Rollins. Nice. In the second round. Okay. Short arms. It's all right. Algalar in the third. Okay. He's, wow, he's, he's the most popular pick. Yeah, so far. Josh Shaw, cornerback mm. USC. Yep. He may not. He may not be there in the fourth round. I I think I think that's ultimately where he'll probably end up going. But you might get a better player than you would imagine from the fourth round. Good good scheme fit. Question, questions upstairs. Sure, I like that. Next up, Jamil Douglas, guard from Arizona State. Okay. Interesting. Play like tackle, plays tackle and guard, so you know gives you some flexibility there. Yeah, and he makes sense there. Yeah. The other fifth round pick goes to Alabama linebacker linebacker Xavier. Dixon. Uh, uh, weird spelling, like XZ. It's yeah. XZ, yes. It's yeah. a Tony Pauline favorite. Because typically it'd be Xavier, but this one specifically is X Xavier. Yeah. yeah. Tony, Tony likes him a lot. Okay. Blake Bell. Yes. Oh, in another the sixth Blake round. Bell. Look at that. Last but not least, a quarterback, Washington State's Connor Halliday. Wow. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I think Ryan. that's a very reasonable draft. That's my leader so far. You did a good job. All right, what do you got for the next one? So next, from at Mezcalitos22, goes with a corner in round one in Jalen Collins. Okay. okay. Guy we've talked about a lot. Got Nelson Aguilar, round two. Wow, he's the, definitely the most popular name, I think, with Fisher. Damaris Randall in the third. Okay, your boy. Ali Marpet. Oh, wow, he's hitting all the fan in favorites. In the fourth, yep. Edge rusher from North Dakota State, Kyle Emanuel. Oh, mm. look at that. He's in the fifth, right? The it was fifth, first fifth, fifth round. round pick. All right. I mean, we saw him at the Shrine game. Undersized. Yeah, a little bit undersized, but definitely has some upside. Was very, very productive at North Dakota State. Central Arkansas receiver, who we just talked about a short time ago, Desmond Lewis. Big possession guy. Can go sure. up and get the ball like that one. Another receiver from Georgia Tech, DeAndre Smelter in the six. Mm. Smelter's intriguing. I mean, you, you know, you talk about a, a guy who's played baseball. Uh, he's had some shoulder issues in the past. You know, he was a former pitcher, but um, a guy who's got some athleticism. Uh, is a good blocker coming out of that offense. He's got to refine a few things, but intriguing guy as a late-round pick that you want to develop. Smelter Skelter. That's right. And uh, this draft would not be complete without Oregon player Tony Washington. I like that yeah. one. Tony Washington's a good fit. Good fit. I, I think he'll be picked before the seventh round. Yeah, we might be right. All right. Yeah, so might be wrong. Might be wrong. Another full draft here from at Estonia 67 goes with TJ Clemmings, who we talked about a lot on the podcast today. Clemmings makes sense. I mean, if yeah. you're looking for an offensive lineman, look. Guy can play guard for a couple of years before Jason Peters yeah. is done and then go to right tackle. He'll ever be done. Left. I don't think Jason yeah, Peters will ever be done. Maybe not. That's yeah. like upside, though, for sure. All Clemens. right. Byron Jones, okay. second like round. Yep. Sign off there. Then third round from Washington, Haoli Kikaka. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about him a lot. I mean, and I think it's because the measurables may not be what Eagles fans expect the the Eagles to like. But uh, definitely a, a crafty uh, pass rusher. It has a, you know wins in a variety of different ways. It'll be interesting. I, I I don't. He's he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I feel like yeah. he had a lot of buzz going into the yeah, season. Could injury pick, and injury he's got some history. injury concerns. I think yeah. that was a big thing with he had him. Had a banged up body. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fourth round. We've mentioned him already later in the draft. Trey McBride. Okay. I'm All right. On, this is a very McBride. reasonable draft so far. Kenny Bell. Oh, yeah. I like Kenny Bell. Yeah, I like Kenny Bell, too. And he's there for me in the, in the so fourth round also. McBride and Kenny Bell, huh? I yes. like that. That's the only, the only thing is that I think that those two guys are very similar type players. So I don't know that you'd add both well, because they're very... You bring them both in and see who's better. Well, yeah. it's like double it's dip. Like in, sure. uh, uh, it's like in the Dark Knight. You break the pool cue. Only one of you is coming out alive. Let's see. Only one of you is, is going to be playing on this team. Time for tryouts. Second fifth round pick, Greg Mance. Out of Toledo. All right, I like that. This is a okay. good draft. Uh, interior lineman, okay, I like it. 
Six-round pick, Anthony Harris. Safety out of UVA. Okay. And okay. a lot of people a lot of people are really high on, on Harris, and he's another guy who's been hurt. He couldn't go to the senior bowl because of injury. Um, another guy who's got uh, you know different athletic traits that you like. I want to do a little bit more work on him, but uh, probably would have gotten a little bit more love if he'd been able to play. Last but not least, his seventh-round pick, Zadarius Smith, Kentucky. I like Zadarius Smith. It's a, it's a, that's the best draft we've got so far. I think far. so. That's I think so, that might be the winner? best one. All right. Who was the second round pick? I always forget the Byron second Jones. Round pick. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, I like that's that a good one. draft. All right. So the last couple of picks here. Bias, but we'll get we'll get yeah, to yeah, yeah, probably. That's fine. Uh, these I just summarized some of the top picks here. Uh, at Phil underscore Shocklin, first three picks: Landon Collins, okay, safety; okay. Sammy Coates, sure. in the second I round. It. I could sign up for that. And this one, don't think he's gonna be there. Jake Fisher. Yeah, yeah he tough. won't be there in round yeah. three. But you could sell me on Landon Collins, Sammy Coates, and then an offensive lineman in the third round. I'm in on that. You yeah. know what's, what's interesting is that that's the only person that gave us Landon Collins in yeah. round one. Yes. So last one I picked here, at DFP 198X, goes with Fisher in the first round, Quentin Rollins in the second round, Marpet in the third round, and the reason I picked this draft in particular, Amir Abdullah ah. in the fourth round. So we haven't seen a lot of running backs. No. No. Either. I, that's reasonable. We had Yeldon. Now we have Abdullah. I think a lot of people th- liked Abdullah for the Eagles offense uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. But, you know, look, I, I think he could play that Darren Sproles role early on for sure. The Sproles Royce. The right. uh, top spark rating amongst all oh, running backs. Amongst all backs. There you go. In this year's draft class. If you're looking at the athletic profile of the prospects. Jake Fisher is the top spark uh, offensive lineman. Yes. So there you have it. So, gentlemen, no, that was good. So there you have it. So I enjoyed that. Do do that again in a couple of weeks. So at Estonia sixty seven, we'll see who's the winner. Marcus, Marcus Hunt. Hunt gets the winner. All right, there you go. There you go. Excellent. So I, I we have some prize we need to send out, so we'll, we'll just throw another one sure. to the list there. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, great stuff this week. Uh, live in depth knowledge. Special thanks to Joe Dolan from FantasyGuru.com for joining us here on the podcast, and that has been the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. We'll be back once again next week.